Hey creeps, I'm Taylor and this is TGI Crime Day. Welcome to TGI Crime Day. Thank you so much for clicking into this episode. Whether you are listening audio only or you have joined me on YouTube, I really appreciate you being here with me today. Today's episode is happening because I binge watched season three of Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix, which apparently came out at the end of last year, but somehow I missed it. So I was playing catch up this weekend, and there was one episode that stuck out to me that just has stayed with me all week long and that just broke my heart for this family, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it since I watched it, so I wanted to talk about that case today. Season 3, Episode 3 of Unsolved Mysteries is called Body in Bags. Um, I understand that they have to do these kind of clickbait-type episode names, but sometimes it really bothers me, and I try to be really careful when I speak about cases and keep it focused on the victims and their story and try not to boil it down to the most well-known quote-unquote nickname aspect of the case. Uh, That's something that I'm really becoming aware of and noticing, and I'm trying to be really sensitive about it, so I hope that I am doing a good job with that. That's something that I really want to strive to do in this podcast, is to not boil it down to the nickname of the cases that we cover. Does that make sense? So, obviously, there are so many cases that we do know by the nicknames that the victims get totally lost along the way, and I think that that's really sad. So, that's what I'm trying to do more of on my podcast is to let you know the names and the people behind these horrible tragedies because they're more than just stories. These are actual people whose lives were affected and taken and whose families have been affected forever because of these situations. And I just hope that I can do my best in talking about these things in a way that is really sensitive and has the family and the victims at the center of it. David Carter was so much more than just a victim in an episode of a popular Netflix series. He was a father, a best friend, a wonderful brother, and a loving son. He had ambitions. He worked really hard and he brought a lot of sunshine and joy to the people who knew him. His family is still fighting to get justice because the person responsible for his murder has been on the run since 2019. This is one of those cases that personally, I believe, can absolutely be solved if people keep talking about it and spreading David's name around far and wide and raising awareness for him and his family. 39-year-old David Darnell Carter was described by his family as serious but fun-loving, handsome, and athletic. He was a hard worker at a top-tier auto manufacturing plant and had recently launched his own clothing line called Lavish Habits Clothing. On top of the manufacturing plant and running his own business, he was a very dedicated father and volunteered as a coach with the Melvindale Junior Football League. He always made time for his family, and he was always willing to help out around his parents' house. In the Unsolved Mysteries episode, there was a video of David talking about his clothing line, and in that video, he said, quote, I have confidence in myself. Once I accomplish my goals, I move on to the next, end quote. This was just the kind of person that David was. He was a hard worker and a go-getter by any and all accounts. David's family and a couple of his close friends are featured in this episode, and it's very obvious that they are a very tight-knit family. One of his best friends, Angela Curry, had known David since she was nine years old, and she said that David always wanted to grow up and have a family and be married. He was a very stand-up guy. Once he became a father, it upped a level, end quote. David met Samia Connor when they were about 19 or 20 years old, and they began dating. Samia immediately liked David and said that he always made her laugh, and they got along really well. Eventually, when they found out that Samia was pregnant, David was thrilled. When their son, David Carter Jr., was born, Samia said, quote, I don't think he even had a good look at DJ before he ran out into the hallways screaming, I got a boy, end quote. 
David and Samia dated off and on for a few years and eventually did split up, but they always had a really good relationship and continued to co-parent on really good terms, which I think speaks a lot to both of their characters. That's a really hard thing to do, but it seems like they did their best to stay close and be co-parents for DJ. David and DJ were best friends. Like I said, everyone described them as super close and David loved being a dad. DJ said that they were always doing something together and that they had a bond that could never be broken. David and his sister Tasia were also very close. She said, quote, David was my best friend. David was the person I would call for any advice, end quote. She described him as confident and having pride in everything that he did. So for Tasia, it was strange when he started dating a woman named Tammy whose attitude didn't seem to match his. Tamara Renee Williams, aka Tammy, started dating David around March of 2018. David and his friend Angela went to high school with Tammy, and David reconnected with Tammy in 2018 at a mutual friend's birthday party. Angela said that Tammy had been bubbly and a pretty solid friend when they were younger, but that after high school they had just gone their separate ways. Angela said that she was really surprised when David started dating Tammy, but she was trying to be supportive, she wanted to be a good friend, and she was happy as long as he was happy. Tammy was a phlebotomist at the Detroit Medical Center and had also worked as a travel agent. She had 18-year-old twins, a boy and a girl. Right away, Tammy and David started spending a ton of time together. Wherever David went, Tammy was right behind him, which isn't necessarily an issue, but in this case, it definitely was. DJ, who was 16 at the time, said that he thought that if things kept going the way that they were, he thought that this could be the person that his dad would eventually marry. David's dad, Elton, said that he tried to stay out of his kid's relationship as much as possible, but he did think that Tammy came off as a bit possessive. He said that whenever they had a family gathering, Tammy would watch David, constantly keeping an eye on him if he was talking to someone besides her. Right off the bat, Tasia saw some red flags with Tammy. In the Unsolved Mysteries episode, she said that right from the beginning, she didn't care for Tammy. Sisters always know. I'm convinced it's like a sister superpower. They just know when their sibling is dating someone that is not totally right for them. And Tasia said that she thought they probably had a good time together, but that Tammy was very possessive. She said that people were treating her like she was just being the crazy little sister, that she didn't like anyone that David went out with, etc. And she said, quote, that very well may be true, but I know I don't like her, end quote. Again, it's um, not totally out of the realm of possibility for people to spend a ton of time together, especially when they first start dating, but the possessiveness and the controlling nature that Tammy seemed to have over David did start to put up some red flags for his family, especially because these were not like teenagers or 20-somethings. Um, they were both 39, so this is not a normal way for adults to behave in a relationship. From what I understand, the people closest to David could see these cracks in their relationship, and many of them speculated that in the weeks before his death, he and Tammy were headed for a breakup. Tasia remembered a point in early September. David and Tammy had been dating for about six months by then, when David went to the movies with one of their female cousins. David and his cousin went to a movie together, and when his cousin dropped him off back at his house after the movie, all four of David's tires had been slashed. They all knew that it was Tammy that did it because she was mad at David because he went out without her. About this specific incident, David's best friend Angela said, quote, When a person is jealous and when a person is selfish, there is no measure for what they'll do, end quote. On September 28, 2018, DJ had a football game that the whole family went to. Tasia and her husband Derek were there, Samia was there, and David and Tammy were there, but they weren't sitting together. They were all watching the game, joking, laughing, having a good time. But Tammy was sitting a few rows back, and Tasia noticed this, and she asked her brother, what's going on? And he said, oh, she'll be fine. 
but didn't go into detail. Tasia just assumed that they had had an argument and weren't talking and that Tammy was just kind of throwing a little bit of a fit. Samia noticed that Tammy was staring at her, so she turned to look at her, and she said that the look on Tammy's face has stayed with her to this day. She wasn't so much staring, but more like glaring at Samia, who said, quote, It was like I saw the devil. I can still see the look on her face, end quote. Sunday, September 30th, was just like any other regular Sunday. DJ had been planning on going to his dad's that evening, but then he and Samia both got some strange texts from David. Samia got a text from David that said he was really sick and that DJ shouldn't come over that night. The text said that he had been throwing up and had no voice, so DJ should just stay home. DJ had a few things that he needed to get for the week ahead at his dad's apartment, so he tried to call his dad to see what was going on. At that point, David didn't answer, but DJ got a text back that said, I won't be able to answer the phone because I can't talk. I'm really sick. DJ decided that he would just stop by his dad's apartment really quickly to grab what he needed, and when DJ pulled up to the Gale Gardens apartments, Tammy was actually outside taking out the trash. She definitely saw him, and he said hi to her, but then she ran ahead of him back into the apartment. When DJ got to the door, it was locked, which again was really weird because she just saw him, so he used his own key to unlock the door, and when he walked in, he saw that his dad's bedroom door was closed, which was also not normal. And then Tammy walked up to him and closed the bathroom door on her way to talk to DJ, which was also, again, very weird. DJ said that he just needed to grab his phone charger and he wanted to poke his head in and say hi to his dad, but Tammy said that David had gone out for a walk. Again, very weird because it was cold and David was supposedly very sick, but DJ just was like, okay, he had to get to his grandma's house, so he just grabbed what he needed and left. By Tuesday, October 2nd, one of David's co-workers was starting to get really worried about him. Roger Davis had worked with David for 19 years. They were good friends, and Roger knew David well enough to know that missing work wasn't like him at all, especially because that Sunday that they were supposed to work together was a double-time payday. Then, he also missed Monday. Then finally, when he didn't show up on Tuesday, Roger felt like this was a huge red flag, so he decided to call Tasia and see if she knew what was going on. Tasia was very surprised by this information, and she tried to call David, but his phone went straight to voicemail, so she tried calling Tammy, who told Tasia that she hadn't seen David or talked to him since Sunday. At that point, Tasia and her husband Derek and their dad Elton went to David's apartment to see what was going on. When they got to the apartment, there were red flags immediately. First of all, his car was in the apartment parking lot, and second of all, when they got to his apartment door, Derek knocked, and then he tried the handle, expecting it to be locked, but it was open. So they walked into the apartment and started to look around, and they saw a few things that were out of place. There were a bunch of sheets that were rolled up into a ball and shoved onto a shelf, and things just kind of looked messy. They also saw that David's bed was unmade, and Tasia said that her brother was a bit of a neat freak, and he didn't ever let his apartment look disheveled like this, and that he definitely wouldn't have left the door unlocked if he was going somewhere. So these things were strange and noticeable to them because they knew David so well, but they weren't necessarily huge red flags. Unfortunately, as they continued looking into the apartment... There were small things that were out of place, and then there were major issues when they got to his bedroom. There was a huge dark stain on the carpet under the bed, and Tasia realized that the bed had been moved to cover this stain. She said that there were indents in the carpet from where the bed used to be, so it was obvious that it had recently been moved. Then she found a huge blood stain on the mattress and a hole that looked like a bullet hole. Around that same time, as she was exploring this area of the bedroom, Elton noticed a bullet hole in the bottom corner of the closet door. He was absolutely positive that it was a bullet hole and told everyone that they needed to get out of the apartment so they wouldn't mess anything up and go to the police straight away. 
They went to the Melvindale Police Department to file a missing persons report and told them what they found in the apartment. Right away, the police started investigating the apartment. They blocked it off and started going through the dumpsters at the apartment building. During that search, David's family started calling hospitals and morgues in the area searching for him. Tasia put out an alert on social media asking for any information about where her brother was. And during all of this, Tammy didn't seem concerned at all. They went from spending every single day together, she could barely have him out of her sight, and now he's missing, and she can't even bother to leave work and help them search for David. Huge red flag. There were some things that were maybe not a huge red flag. That's a huge red flag. Tasia called Tammy and confronted her, and of course, Tammy played dumb. She told Tasia that she had no idea what she was talking about, and Tasia basically told her, if I find out you did something to my brother, we're going to have a problem. But Tammy kept saying that she didn't know, she didn't offer any condolences or concern or help at all. Unfreaking real. <laughs> so at that point, David's family was in a complete panic. They were doing everything they could, calling anyone they could think of, searching for him, and the police were already starting a huge investigation. But unfortunately, there was nothing that could be done at that point. The day before, on October 1st, an Ohio Department of Transportation worker was mowing the shoulder of a road on I-75 and saw a sleeping bag near a row of pine trees. The sleeping bag was taped closed, and this ODOT worker immediately called the police. The workers that were around him were all worried that this could be maybe a dead dog or even worse, a dead child in this sleeping bag. They didn't want to open it, so they called for help right away. An Ohio State trooper showed up, and when he opened the sleeping bag, he was horrified to find the lower torso and legs of a body. It looked like it had been there for a few days, and so the officer reported it and started looking into it to see if there were any missing persons reports in the area, trying to figure out who this person was. Um, and this was in Ohio, near the Michigan border, about 95 miles away from David's apartment in Michigan. The Ohio State Police found out about David being reported missing the following day and called the Melvindale PD. Obviously, they didn't have David's whole body, so they had to use a tattoo on his leg to help make this identification. He had a pit bull with red eyes tattooed on his leg. It was a pretty um, unique tattoo, so they knew that this would be a good marker for figuring out who this was. The Melvindale PD called Elton to ask him to verify the tattoo. And when they called Elton and asked him to come to the station, he knew right away that it wasn't good news. I cannot even imagine having to learn of your son's death, let alone in this way. Um, Elton said, quote, For me being a soldier, death is something that's just part of life. It's inevitable. It's just, I never thought it would happen to a family member in this manner, end quote. Elton and his son-in-law, Derek, went to the station to identify David's body. Derek said that he was dreading having to tell Tasia what happened, but as soon as he got home, she could tell by the look on his face that David was gone. Elton said that telling David's mother was the hardest thing that he's ever had to do in his life. And about this, Tasia said, quote, Tammy didn't just kill my brother, she killed my mother, end quote. Their mom had actually been diagnosed with cancer just six days before David was killed. Um, she was so incredibly heartbroken that she stopped going to her treatments and eventually passed away. DJ was beside himself and furious because no one would tell him what happened. Um, he was only 16 at this time. They didn't want to give him all of the details, but eventually he insisted that he had the right to know. So Derek told him that David's body had been found, um, but that it had been chopped up. And when DJ found this out, he was obviously horrified and so angry. And right away, he said he knew it was Tammy. They all knew it was Tammy. This, <sighs> so many words, but YouTube gets mad at you when you say bad words. Um, this awful, horrible, selfish, evil person 
took away someone's dad, someone's son, someone's brother, someone's best friend. For what? For what? You destroyed a family. For what? Tasia believes that David broke things off with Tammy the night of the football game, which would have been Friday night. In the episode of Unsolved Mysteries, Tasia said that she believes that the way Tammy acted at the football game was kind of the last straw for David. She was jealous of David's relationship with his family. She was extremely possessive. Um, but she also said that as much as she didn't like Tammy, she never would have thought she would be capable of murder. Never. David's friend Roger said that it seemed like they had been heading for a breakup for a while, but it was almost like David didn't know how to break it off and was taking time because she was so possessive and it was a really intense situation. Roger believes that Tammy saw it as a kind of, if I can't have him, no one can situation. And everyone, of course, told law enforcement that Tammy was the key to figuring out what happened here. A few days after they found out about David's death, DJ had a football game, and his coach told him that he could absolutely take some time away from football if he needed to, but DJ didn't want to miss this game. He felt like his dad would want him to keep playing, so he got ready to play the game that weekend. DJ said that David used to always tell him, quote, whatever happens, just keep on going, no matter what, end quote. At the game, DJ wore a t-shirt that said, I love you, dad, on it, and everyone in their family and the community showed up to cheer him on. And DJ said that everyone in the stands felt like they were all just family. They all cheered him on. They all showed up to support him. And in the Unsolved Mysteries episode, he said that he had this crazy experience where he felt like it wasn't him playing. It felt like it was his dad. He was pulling off moves he had never done before, and they had an incredible game. His team won 64 to 0. And during this game, Elton actually called Tasia to tell her that Tammy had been arrested, and they were all thrilled. Tammy was named as a suspect and brought in for questioning based mainly on her lack of concern when David went missing and how suspicious she was acting when DJ saw her at the apartment that day. Unfortunately, that joy did not last for very long because they didn't have all of David's remains, so they couldn't give a cause of death, and they could only hold Tammy for so long before they had to release her. The day of her release happened to be the same day that David's family was holding a memorial for him, and they were absolutely blown away, shocked by the support that they received from their community. They knew that David was loved, but they didn't know it was like this. Hundreds of people showed up to the memorial and released red and white balloons and lit candles, and Elton said, quote, the auditorium was absolutely packed, standing room only. People lined the walls. It was really overwhelming to see that many people, to think that David touched that many people, end quote. Two days later, on October 10th, another duffel bag was found along the I-75 interstate. In a small black duffel bag with red straps, they found David's head. And an autopsy was performed, and they found that he had a single gunshot wound to his head below the earlobe towards the back of his skull, and then there was an exit wound at the top of his head. Um, it was a single gunshot at very close range. Based on the injury, the gun would have almost been touching his head. On October 16th, eight days after Tammy's release, a third and final set of remains was found along I-75. In a small multicolored suitcase with bright flowers, David's torso was found wrapped in a comforter. A third autopsy was performed, and it was determined by the medical examiner that there were no signs of defensive wounds or any kind of a struggle that would have led to having another injury on David. This made the ME believe that David didn't see this attack coming. Um, there was an antihistamine in his system, which can make you drowsy, so they wondered if maybe he had been shot in his sleep, which seems like probably the most plausible answer. Uh, David was, I think, like 6'3". Tammy was 5'5". She was very small um, compared to his over six-foot-tall frame. So her overpowering him was not likely, um, and he didn't have any other kind of defensive wounds. 
I'm going to give a trigger warning for this next part. I won't go into too much detail, but I am going to talk about his dismemberment. As I mentioned, David was over six feet tall. Tammy was 5'5". Five five. So law enforcement believes that she dismembered him out of what she believed was necessity uh, because he was a lot bigger than her. And logistically, she wouldn't have been able to dispose of his body. The medical examiner said that his body had been dismembered with rough cuts and it was not done with a saw. It would have been done with something similar to a kitchen knife. It would have been very difficult and it would have taken an extremely long time for her to do this. Hearing it the first time was mind boggling and just saying it out loud again. I cannot make sense of how someone gets to this point. Someone who could do this to another human being is out of their mind and absolutely terrifying. Tammy killed someone she supposedly loved, dismembered him, scattered his remains, and then went to work the next morning as if nothing happened. It's, I just, I can't. I just can't wrap my head around it. Tasia believes that Tammy snuck into the apartment while David was asleep. And after they found out what happened, David's family realized that the texts that were sent from his phone didn't really sound like him and that it was most likely Tammy just messaging them to stage that everything was fine. It's just awful. Um, Tammy was the only suspect, the only person of interest, and the police absolutely believe she is guilty of this murder. But unfortunately, around October 16th, the day that the final remains were found, Tammy fled. The U.S. Marshal's office was assigned to David's case to search for Tammy. I didn't know exactly what the U.S. Marshals did. I have obviously heard of them. They come up a lot in these cases, but um, apparently they are specifically put on cases dealing with people who are on the run after committing heinous crimes. It's their job to locate them and bring them to justice. It is a very important, very high stakes job. So when the U.S. Marshals get involved, you know that's when it's go time. So Tammy is accused of first degree homicide, dismemberment, tampering with evidence, and felony firearm possession. Andrew Battersby of the U.S. Marshal's Office pointed out that the weapon that she used was never recovered, so there is a very high chance that Tammy is armed and dangerous. He said it was, quote, extremely brutal because of the nature of it. It takes a special individual to do that to somebody. This was calculated. This was planned. This was thought out, end quote. As they began looking into Tammy's last known whereabouts, they were able to put a timeline together of October 16th, 2018. Tammy was seen in Ann Arbor, Michigan, making a cash withdrawal from an ATM. She was seen on camera at a restaurant having dinner. She sat for a while and had a few drinks after her meal as if it was just a regular old day. She left the restaurant and got on a rickshaw that took her to a hotel. The next morning on October 17th, she left the hotel and went to an Amtrak station and took a train to Chicago. From Chicago, she took another train to Penn Station in New York, where she checked into the Neptune Hotel that evening. And this was before anyone realized that she had fled, so no one was looking for her. She checked into the Neptune using her real name and driver's license, and she was seen on hotel CCTV leaving the next morning, and then poof, gone. That's the last time that she's ever been seen. Andrew Battersby said in 2022 that it had been a while since they had talked to Tammy's family. They, of course, followed up with them uh, whenever they were able to, but whenever they did question her family, they all say that they have no idea, they haven't seen her, they have no clue where she could be. Andrew doesn't believe this. He said, quote, I personally don't believe that. Somebody is helping her financially and also providing her with a place to stay. She did not just disappear, end quote. He also pointed out that the many people that he interviewed about Tammy said that she was the kind of person who always needed a guy in her life. Andrew said, quote, this scares me. This woman is still free after committing this crime and she could hurt somebody else, end quote. 
It is believed that Tammy has connections all over the world because of her former job as a travel agent. Um, She also has close connections within the Order of the Eastern Star, which is described as a co-ed fraternity that is part of the Freemason community. The U.S. Marshals believe that Tammy could have friends in this community that are helping her without knowing that Tammy is actually a fugitive. She also had a lot of connections within the medical community because of her job as a phlebotomist and could be working as a phlebotomist anywhere in the country. Also... In another weird element to this case, Tammy's mom, Verdine Day, was convicted of embezzling funds from the Detroit Fire Union, where she served as treasurer from 2015 to 2019. The article that I read about Verdine's case was published in May of 2022, and at that point, there had been 110 charges listed in a decade-long investigation into public corruption in Metro Detroit. It's always horrifying when you find out about (laughs) all of the corrupt things happening within government and government-adjacent systems, but apparently Verdine was stealing money that was supposed to be donated and spent the money on, quote, trips around the world, hotels, flights, booze, and Caribbean cruises. She was ordered to pay more than $222,000 in restitution to the union based on her conviction for bank fraud. Her lawyer claimed that it was a mistake. Um, she literally embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars that was supposed to be donated and used it to go on cruises, and her lawyer seriously is going with a defense of, oh, oopsies, she, it was an accident. How do you accidentally spend $200,000 that's not your money? Verdine was allegedly writing out checks with no name just to cash. This was mentioned in a couple of articles, so I think maybe they are trying to imply that it's possible that she was giving Tammy some financial assistance when she first fled. Allegedly. Maybe. I don't know. But it seems like it was brought up enough to where, like, are we supposed to make that connection? I just, I feel like in the age of the internet that we live in, I don't understand how it would even be possible for anyone to pull off leaving their life and starting somewhere new. You have to have an ID and a bank account and a social security number and a driver's license to do anything, especially to get a job. So logistically, how hard is it to fake an identity? How hard is it to, like, leave the country or leave your life and just start somewhere new with a fake ID and fake papers? I don't dare invest to Google that because what if the FBI sees it or something and then they think I'm trying to embezzle money? (laughs) If you happen to know, how hard is it to get a whole new life and a whole new identity? I can't imagine that it's easy. You'd have to have a lot of really weird connections. Anyways, it was very well known that Tammy wore a lot of different wigs. Um, She could have any color or length of hair any day and change her appearance constantly. One of the things that Andrew Battersby pointed out is that while she could be changing her appearance with wigs and things like that, she has a huge tattoo on her upper arm slash shoulder area that looks like a bouquet of roses. And he said that it's a very noticeable and distinct tattoo that would be difficult to remove or cover. He said that if she did get this tattoo covered, there is definitely a tattoo artist out there who did that tattoo and would probably remember it. That person could have the answer to where Tammy is and where she has been this entire time. That right there is why it's so important to talk about these cases. There is someone out there who has had interactions with this person. All it takes is one connection, one tip, one hint, and Tammy could be found and served with a punishment she so deserves for taking away a beautiful life from David's family and loved ones. The amount of people that she's had to have interacted with, she could have taken your blood as a phlebotomist. She could have scheduled you a trip as a travel agent, there are so many ways that people could be running into her and have no idea who she is. It's terrifying. 
Since David's death, DJ has graduated high school and started college majoring in business management. He has also taken over his dad's clothing business, and he said that sometimes he wishes that he had gone into his dad's room that day. But another part of him feels like it's good that he didn't. It was almost like he had this weird feeling not to go in that room because if he had, there's a chance that something could have happened to him too. DJ said in Unsolved Mysteries that if he could tell his dad anything, he would ask him if he was proud of him, which I think we can all agree he absolutely is so proud of his son. And he would tell him that he loves him and misses him every day. Tasia said that she misses her brother every day. She misses the talks, jokes, the laughs, and even the fights. She said, quote, you never know how much light somebody brings into a room until it's no longer there. I have faith that somehow, some way, someone is going to see Tammy and she's going to be caught, end quote. Of course, nothing can bring back David and nothing will ever make up for what Tammy took from this family. But Tasia said that having her behind bars where she belongs will allow David to rest in peace. So that is what we will hope for. After watching this episode and reading all the articles I possibly could find about David and his case, I feel so emotionally invested in this family. It, this is a nightmare that no one should have to face. And especially after going through everything that they had to go through and knowing who did this and knowing that she is just out there somewhere living her life, it's sickening. It's heart-wrenching and no one should ever have to go through that. So that's why we talk about this. That's why we, you know, continue to share and send support and good feelings and all of the things. Um, like I said at the top of this episode, I really think that this is a case that can be solved if someone calls in the right tip. So there was an article that I saw that had some updates after this last episode aired. Um, the co-creator and executive producer of Unsolved Mysteries, Terry Dunn Muir, confirmed that they had gotten over 90 tips sent in since the episode aired in October of 2022. Um, that was back in November or December of 2022. So since then, there probably has been dozens more. These tips have all been sent in to the police and the U.S. Marshals Supervisory Deputy Jimmy Allen confirmed that they definitely did receive the tips and they all suggest that Tammy is still living somewhere in the United States. And I am sure that there is a lot going on behind the scenes that is being kept quiet to keep the information safe so that they can do what needs to be done. Obviously, they don't want Tammy to run again. Um, I really hope that for the sake of David's family that they are able to find this awful, horrendous human being. There is a $10,000 reward leading to the capture of Tamara, Tammy Renee Williams. If you happen to have a tip, anything that might be important, or even if it doesn't seem important, share it anyways. Call the U.S. Marshal Service at 1-877-WANTED-2 or go to unsolved.com. Thank you so much for being here with me through this episode. The true crime community is stronger when we stand together and cases like David's get solved when everyone uses their voices together and don't let things go quiet. Uh, until next time, keep investigoogling and never give up on fighting for justice in these cases because when we all work together, it happens. We watch it happen again and again. So... Keep sharing, keep thinking about David's family, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.